Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Innovation Deciphered. I'm your host Tim Fitch and today I'm being joined by Chris Turner of CTO Writing. So I hope you enjoy the latest episode. Hi Chris and welcome to the podcast. Can you just give us a quick background to you and your business? Of course. Um, thank you for having us too. Um, so our business started 25 years ago. So me and my wife started it from our back bedroom. This is CTO Lighting. CTO Lighting, correct, thank you. And we had a studio in the Old Kent Road where we'd make, make things up. Um, and we made some lights and we took a little snapshot of them and we sent them to Habitat and we got called in. We had a meeting with their buyer. He said he'd buy some and we kind of forgot about it. And then about three months later, we got an envelope through the door and an order for lights from Habitat, some wall lights and some table lights. And we got an order for 1500 <laughs> And that, you know, we didn't realise that the quantities that Habitat would obviously need and over a period of six months we must have sold about 5,000 lights to Habitat so that was fantastic it got us going in a big way and very quickly. So you went from zero to 5,000 units exactly in yeah. three months in three months so we obviously had a problem because we had to make them and we'd never really made much past a sample before so eventually I found a factory in Birmingham that would make them for us and that's the factory that we now own. Um, so some of the members that started with us were there until very recently. And the other great thing about it was, or the big decision we had to make at that time was going forward, do we want to do our manufacturing in the UK or do we want to do as most people did at the time go out to China? So Chinese imports were starting to come in then or they'd already come in um, but we were in the modern sector and it, it had been all traditional lighting previously. We decided that we loved our manufacturing, we loved going to see artisans in the UK, visiting them, seeing what they could do, uh, bash bits of metal, bend things over our knee, work, feel what was going on. So we decided we'd manufacture in the UK, um, but we'd go up market. So we, 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 we went from, say, selling to Habitat, to selling to the Conrad shop. After the Conrad shop, we'd sell to interior designers. Um, those interior designers would get to bigger interior designers and eventually we'd end up in the, in the luxury sector and now we, we sell internationally to interior designers around the world. Um, and Claire and I always say that was the best decision that we ever made. We, we love what we do. Um, we started the lighting business because the power of lighting um, no one really understood it at that time, but you can go into a room, and we all kind of understand it now, and through dimming lights, through up lighters, through table lights, through down lights, through having different circuits, you can change the look of a room from a very functional room during the day for a very nice room for dinner to a TV room. So that's what we enjoy, and that's how we got started. So I get the sense that your business is really design-led. Definitely. So Claire and I 
are industrial designers. So we, at the beginning, we just wanted a career um, and a job where we could design and make a living. Uh, and it's gone past that now, but it's all about design. Clara will says product is king. So you can have an average product and you, you can sell it and you can market it and you can and, and make money from it. But if you have a great product, the, re the selling and the marketing and everything else is a lot easier. So that, that's what we love doing and that's where we, we, we put our focus on that, on that ethos and that design ethos. So just run through me what a, a sort of a typical year looks for you in terms of the cycle from developing a new product to getting it to market. Okay, so it's interesting because it's kind of changed when we started when there were two of us. It was very easy, very flexible, very organic. Um, it would be done at the kitchen table. It would be done at night over dinner. Uh, there were two of you, you could make decisions really quickly and you could get it to market a lot quicker. Now we're a, we're, we're a company of 30 people, it's, it's a bit slower, but we are realising actually that decision making needs to be really quick. So we will have a rolling programme of creativity, call it R&D, call it innovation, call it creativity, and that just runs every day of the year and it just keeps on going um, and that heads up everything and so that spurs ideas from that we will now launch once we want a product to launch at a trade show once a year we might launch three or four products so about 18 months before we launch that product we should be thinking about that product will have a brief what part of our sector do we want to do wall light table light pendant light bathroom light what are we missing from our range once we've got that we'll look up into this creativity zone and we'll pull down our ideas and we'll fit them into our 18 month path and then the designers will design for three to six months once they've got a great light and only once they've got a great light then the back end can start. And that back end's a bit more rigid. It's 12 months, it's prototyping, it's dealing with suppliers, it's getting a light ready. So we will now get a right ready to, ready to sell when we actually launch the product. So that's that whole product development process. It takes, what, 18 months? for eight, eight, Yeah, typically 18 months. Sometimes during COVID you had longer and, and so you could take longer. Um, and sometimes you think well, we're a bit behind but I need to launch something in a year and you can speed it up it, it's it's quite flexible we're still a small team so once you've got someone's got some sort of artistic inspiration what's the process from taking their sort of perhaps it's a sketch or just a, yeah. a, 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 an artistic idea okay so ending up with a product you can actually turn on Get like yeah, so I'll take because it helps me think. But I'll take our best-selling um, pendant, which is our Cloudsley. It's a large pendant. Um, it's our most expensive product, which is quite interesting. So we do very well in our sector with um, expensive pendants and expensive wall lights. Um, the idea came from a cloud on a on a kind of daylight today a bit of sun a bit of cloud um, we drew a sketch 
from that sketch, then we had to find a way of making the kind of glass that we wanted. So we went out to our suppliers and found new suppliers. We worked with them, we experimented, we came up with a new type of uh, fritted glass for it, very handmade, very organic, no two bits of glass are ever the same. Um, once we'd got that and we'd got the right translucency and opaqueness and the a right, right amount of light levels coming through it, not too harsh, not too soft. So this is ongoing for a few months. Yes. That's the, once that was cracked, the rest of it was quite simple. You can quite easily make some metal work to hang it from, yeah. make it look quite nice, and then you're away. And that's, that would have been a three to six month project and again then you've stopped the creativity you've got your first sample uh, stroke prototype and from that it then kind of goes to the back-end factory to do their do their 12 month work to, to get you into so once you've got a working prototype mm -hmm. is that on its own it, is it possible for the factory to go and make a thousand of those or do they have to do some further work to um work yeah the, the there's always the, there is further work so during their you know during their six to twelve month process they'll come back and say look we've we tried to ramp up production we know if we go to production on on the clouds that you've designed we're going to have a problem with the glass breaking the hole's too near the edge can we change it of course you can uh, we can't make as many as you'd like, as quickly, as cheaply as you want, because you've chosen a difficult piece of metal work. So they come back and we change it. So it's, a, it's an iteration. But it's, 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 you will get the same looking product at the end of the day. So that, that all sounds quite, uh, yeah, that's quite a, a clear sort of product development process. In terms of how you market then, mm. what's your route to market for these? Okay, so we, trade shows basically. Um, tr we've started off doing trade shows on day one. We still find trade shows are our best route to market. We are selling lights ranging between retail price, 500 pounds to uh, say 15,000 pounds at that level people want to see the product. Um, so a trade show is a best way to do that. Um, once they know you and they trust you and they say, yeah, CTO do great quality, I love the artisan finish that they do, then the next order, the third order, the fourth order, they don't need to see it. But initially, we find our customers want to see our, our product. So we do, um, Milan trade show, we've just come back from that, Euro Lucci, we do that every two years. We do a interiors trade show in Paris in January once a year and there's a London trade show, Decorex, we do once a year. Um, and now we are nearly 25 years old, we've got a range of uh, dealers around the world that have three or four of our lights in their showroom. So if you're in Amsterdam or Krakow, you can go and see our product locally. It makes it so much easier for um, our agents to sell our product when you can you feel touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Massive difference. I, I obviously I can see that. So in terms of um, the trade shows, mm. 
you showcased your new products or have you got a whole catalogue of yeah. products you've made over the last 25 years? Are they all retired? or uh, they, They're rolling. So as they drop off a, a sales level, then we renew. And we're getting a lot better now. We're getting a lot more commercial at renewing with, with better selling products. We have to. Um, so no, a trade show, you'll generally have one or two of your best sellers and then three or four new stuff. People are always desperate to see new things. And we found that during COVID, COVID worked well for our industry because a lot of those um, interior designers who are generally small teams, they're all working out, they can work from home and their clients, everyone was at home thinking, I need my room doing up, I need some lights, I need some wallpaper, etc. So we worked, we worked, our business went very well during COVID. Um, that no one had been out, no one had seen anything new, no one had talked to anyone. We were all, you know, so as soon as those trade shows started happening again, people were desperate for newness. Um, and we're, we're, still, we're still finding that. Um, although I think the route to market has changed a bit since COVID in our sector. Um, trade shows are still important, and I think the better ones will stay, but I think it's much more multi-channel now. We've, we've launched products during COVID digitally and it did work because that's all you could do and no one could get out so they had to buy your product from only seeing it online um, but now there's a bit of a mix I think you have to you you can't put all your eggs in the trade show basket um, yeah there's a bit more digital involved uh, and the people you sell to are interior designers typically our, our core client yeah the people who buy our lights will be an interior designer and they'll put them into high-end uh, residential or hotels and generally in the hotels it's the bars it's the restaurants it's the um, public areas it's the suites it's not we're, we're not going to do a 300 room hotel we're too expensive for that it's interesting what you said about the digital because mm. uh, we had a lady on the podcast last year who's a handbag designer oh right and she launches hers digitally right. with all the colour variations. And when the orders come in, then she gets them made. Ah. So, it, for instance, she gets four colours that she's designed. Mm. They look almost like photographs, but they don't exist. No. And when, and when the people say, well, it's actually the blue one, that's, then she gets a few hundred made in Italy. Quickly. Of that colour, yeah. and the others you yeah. bother with, just say to the people they're not available now. Yeah, uh, look, I wish there was one easy route to market, and we'd all do it. But everyone's everyone's grown up and found their own way of doing it, and that's yeah. as valid as our way. We've taken the route now that actually, when we are at that trade show, um, and someone comes up to us and says, "I love your new products," because we used to have them, and it used to take, oh, you can't get them for three months. Now, yeah, we can. We'll we'll make that. We'll start making that tomorrow for you, and it's an eight-week lead time to middle of Europe. You can have it in eight weeks, and that kind of it, it's a bit like yeah, fashion. It's all faster now, and people don't want to wait three months for a for a light. They've forgotten about it. They've moved on. So that's that's our our way of doing it. Um, yeah, Chris. One thing we haven't talked about mm -hmm. yet is, of course. Uh, in the fashion sector, there's the big issues now around the circular economy mm. and 
reducing waste, certainly in construction and other sectors we, we know a lot about. How, how, how are you seeing that affecting what you're doing? Um, we're, we're lucky in that inherently, um, we're not in the fashion sector, inherently in the design world, um, and we're at the high-end luxury, our products will easily last 10 years. Um, we've got hotel foyers where our lights, wooden and cotton shades are in there for 20 years and need a bit of a refurb, but they're still going strong. Um, and we've always built our lights from kind of noble materials, so brass, bronze, timber, silks, glass, and they're not too fashionable. So they're modern, but you can keep them for a long time without them looking out of place. And I think they're also expensive and people, people buy our lights when they love them because they are, they are expensive and it, it kind of engenders them wanting to keep it, keep it for longer. Um, having, having said that, we're all, you know, since we went into COVID and we were starting our sustainability journey, um, got put on hold because everyone we wanted to you know keep the business going but post covid there's been a kind of, there's been a kind of shift in people's attitude towards sustainability um in the interior sector um so we're now carbon neutral um which at the beginning of covid seemed a really long difficult process two years later it was a very easy process so we got on board with a consultant. Um, we got spreadsheets to fill in. We took three months to fill some spreadsheets in from the staff, um, from the factory, from suppliers. And it's it, the people, consultants out there are making it quite easy. So that was quite easy. But it, it, it's the next step for us, the big step is going now towards net zero. And you know, the government said everyone's going to be net zero by 2050. Um, so we're thinking that we'll aim for 20, 2040, be, be, a, be, ahead of, be ahead of the curve. So we're, up, we're on that journey. And again, I think that's a daunting journey today. But as you go into it, it will become easier and easier. And as an example of that, um, if one of our lights gets delivered and it's damaged, we say, right, we'll pick it up, we'll get it back from you, wherever you are in France or in North London or wherever, we'll get it back to the factory and we'll repair it and we send it back out. Or we'll send you a new one and we'll get that one back and repair it and send it to tell it to someone else. And that works fine. Um, but we haven't taken that step where we advertise that at, at the end of life cycle of a product. But we've tried getting products back from this hotel where the lights were there for 20 years. And we said, well, should we let's spruce them up for you and, get, and you can get another 10, 15 years out of them if you'd like. And actually, you'd think they'd jump at the chance, but no, it's hard. I'm badgering them and phoning them and phoning them. And people aren't quite, I think um, in the commercial world, people are very busy. And they're not always got the time to do something like that. It's quicker for them to bin it and buy new but that, that's the real to get to net zero we've got we can't keep just binning stuff and recycling stuff you've got to repair and reuse and that's what 
our products are good enough and quality enough. We, we're trying to mix glues and use screws so you can take it apart and make it easier. But we're, we're now waiting for that shift in the mentality of our clients to let us do that properly. Is there any market for when a light has, well, with a particular client, as you've described, mm. says, well, we want to replace them, Matt Craig, yeah. your style. Yeah. But the light fitting that's there, mm. is there a second-hand market? Um, there is, because actually I was in Pimlico Road and there was an antique shop there and it had two of our Deca wall lights in. And I not went in, knocked on the door and I was chatting to the guy and I said, oh, we're the manufacturer of those. And they looked spanking. They looked absolutely fantastic. Virtually new. Um, they still had all the wiring labels on, mint condition. And he said, oh, those come out of the suites at the Dorchester. So there is an inherent kind of that, you know, we don't have to set up our own website of pre-loved CTO lights. Uh, we can do, but also we're lucky in that those antique shops inherently, we could, you know, we could repair and send it out that way if we wanted rather than our website. But I, I definitely, there is. It's shown in fashion, isn't it? Fashion does lead the way over interiors. It's quicker. Um, so yeah, it, it, it really, it, you know, if you think what second-hand um, fashion has done in the past. There's quite years. a lot of technology businesses set up to facilitate those kind of markets in fashion. Right. Maybe there's an opportunity. Oh, interior, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. Sector. Yeah. Well, I'm. Uh, I'm. Not, I'm a bit of a luddite at heart. If I'm honest, I like bashing things and hitting things and welding. But um, you know. Yeah, I can see it in the fashion industry. I'm not quite sure the interiors industry big enough for that yet, but someone proved me wrong, yeah. Well, Chris, on that note, I'd like to thank you very much for appearing on this episode of Innovation Deciphered. And everyone, thanks for watching or listening and see you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>